0: This is Total Retail Tech Insights, the content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm joined on today's show by Vic Dravicki, who is the founder and CEO of January Digital. And I'm Joe Keenan, the editor-in-chief of Total Retail. So thanks for joining me today, Vic. Hey, absolutely. Thanks for having me. So to get us started, um, why don't we just have a brief uh, background on your, a little bit about you personally and your career. I mentioned that you're the founder of January Digital. Tell us a little bit about uh, your career and and then a, a little bit also about what January Digital does. Yeah, absolutely. So I started
1: January just short of about 10 years ago. Um, and and it took me a while. I mean, I'm the most reluctant entrepreneur ever. There's not, you know, you read all these flashy, like I had this dream and I came to fruition. Definitely not the case here. I had no idea what I was doing for the first few years, some would argue still, but what we built is something I think is pretty special. It's um, We're about a half a consultancy and half an agency. So we really thread that nice white space in between the big consulting firms who tend to talk a little bit more in theory, but can't quite execute it. Um, and, and the traditional um, agencies, which tend to be super heavy on execution, but, but lack some of the strategy work. Um, and, and so that, that's where I spend most of my time. We've been growing. We're, we're a completely independent agency. We've been growing pretty quickly. I'm really excited about the work we're, we're doing and the people we have. Um, outside of that, I've got two little kids. Um, they, they keep me pretty busy most, most of the time. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, that's kind of what I do. That's my thing.
0: So in terms of your clients for our audience, Vic, is it primarily all retailers that you work with? Do you work across different industries in terms of your client base?
1: Yeah, we've got a pretty strong retail base. We work with with some great brands, everywhere from folks like David's Bridal to to a lot of women's contemporary brands like ALC and and, and quite a few others. But we also have a pretty big uh, beauty and CPG business and a bit of a grocery business as well. So we work with folks like The Honest Company, uh, we work with a great uh, new CPG brand we just launched called Juvenescence, which is working in the anti-aging space. Uh, and then we also um, work with uh, Ajo Delays, which is one of the largest grocers in the yep. U.S. Uh, have a whole host of brands from uh, Chicago kind of eastward and then all up and down the coast, too.
0: Yeah. And it's been a bit for one of your clients, the Honest Company, uh, been a busy week. They uh, went public this week. So, uh, you know, the, I, I'm sure you help with that process as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that I got a huge cut of that going public. <laughs> you know, in all honesty, they, it's been great to work with those guys. And I don't say this just in in a brown nosy way. They've got a really great team, uh, and you know, I know Jessica Alba gets a lot of the the eyes and, and ears from that, but I have to say, she she's been a great a great partner in this. But her entire team, her entire executive team, all the way down to the folks that we work with on a day to day basis, they've got a strong team, and I really do think they're building something special over there.
0: So I wanted to talk a little bit about kind of um, what we've seen in, in the retail space over the last, you know, almost year and a half now at this point, um, you know, the impact of the pandemic um, and kind of the changes that, is, that that has forced retailers to make and brands to make. Tell us a little bit about kind of your thoughts on where we've been at over the last 15 or so months uh, and to to the where we've gotten to today um, in terms of the, the retail industry. Absolutely. I think the last,
1: the last 15 months or so have been, you know, crazy to say the least. But the way that I would probably sum it up best is, it's a, I think it's a Warren Buffett quote, and it says, you can always tell who's swimming naked when the tide goes out. And, and I think that's what happened last year. When the pandemic hit, we all figured out who actually had their systems together, who had their organizations together, and those that didn't. And those that did have their, their act together and were able to move really quickly, actually ended up with stronger organizations at the end of it, and I think are set up for a ton of success this year. And I think the other thing that's most important for those retailers that feel like maybe they didn't manage it in the best way, I think those that did a good job have really set the precedent and really given the example for the rest of us to follow. And I think the core trait with that, and I think this this holds true throughout this year and and well into the future too, is that you've gotta have an agile uh, organization. Whether it be how you communicate with your team, how you deal with clients, how you integrate stores, fulfillment, supply chain, all of that. Those that are able to, to be really agile and adapt to, to as the world changes uh, are gonna are gonna be really successful for a long time. And while clearly the pandemic was the biggest example of disruption, there are all sorts of other disruptions that happened well as well. We have political disruptions, we have um, social disruptions, we have shipping disruptions, all of those sorts of things. And so if you've built an organization that, that's too rigid, anytime one of these disruptions comes, you're gonna have a problem. But if you're building an organization that's really agile, you've actually got a chance to stop, adapt, uh, and move forward much more quickly than, than your competition.
0: So in terms of that agility that you're speaking to, Vic, um, you know, it it crosses many different um, parts of the business from your systems, as you mentioned, your technology systems, your people as well, um, your processes, Tell us a little bit about what you mean in terms of an agile organization. Maybe there's an example you can call out um, of a a retailer that quickly adapted based upon the uh, the disruption that we've seen. Uh, Is there a a little bit you can provide there in terms of color, maybe an example or two? Sure, absolutely. I'll tell you,
1: there's one phrase that we've been using a lot, which is uh, store as a service. And I think that's one that encompasses a whole lot of different things that people did well and things that people could continue to do well in the future. And so here's what I mean by it. Traditionally, what you would use stores as is people would come, they'd see product, they'd buy, they leave. So a little bit more of a revenue stream. But as COVID hit, it forced us to rethink all of that. And so now all of a sudden stores can not only be that revenue stream, but they could be a last mile distribution point. They could be a showroom. things. They could be a way for you to provide a more meaningful experience and that experience could be as simple as a really clean safe environment or it could be something uh, much bigger than that. And so when we think of where we were again 15 months ago we'll call it, how many people really looked at their stores and thought of it in that way? Some, but the vast majority didn't. Now what I would argue is we all have to take another look at our stores and what they can actually provide Uh, the value they can actually provide to our customers and to us as a business.
0: Yeah. And that evolution of the physical store, um, to your point, was on the kind of roadmap for some retailers, not enough. Um, uh, But this pandemic has really accelerated that need, to your point, to be more than just a place to showcase product. And then back to your original point of kind of the the necessary, um, you know, to to be able to integrate your systems, your technology systems, your processes, your your staff, your, you know, warehouse, your uh, in-store staff. Um, Talk a little bit about kind of the need for those integrated um, systems to, you know, for example, like inventory, your order management systems, Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're able to execute upon these, you know, types of services, such as the curbside pickups, the buy online, pick up in-store, shipping orders from store, um, to make that a reality. Tell us a little bit about kind of the the, uh, the, the, the things that need to go into the back end planning for the, to make that a reality.
1: Yeah. And before I do, I'm going to totally throw a wrench in the middle of our, of our podcast here. And I want to stop for, I'll answer that in a second, but the first thing I I wanted to say, and you talked about it, talked about timelines and, and plans and all that. I think the thing that COVID did for all of us, that was an actual positive is it showed us a little bit more of what's possible. And it's super easy to point to examples within all of our organizations, mine included, where we had timelines for implementing a technology or a hiring process or something like that. And we said, yep, that's going to take us a year. Then COVID hit and somehow we executed it in a month. And that idea that it showed us what's possible is, I think, a really rich takeaway for every retailer here. Now, does that mean every process should be sped way up and just crunch time? No. But what it does mean is is now is a great time, and you'd argue you're we're even probably a little bit late to it, to stop and look at everything you have on your timeline and go, wait, is it really going to take this long or is it not? Is there a quicker, better, more effective, more efficient way of doing it? Maybe so. I think we owe it to our organizations to, to have that sort of um, – deeper look at what we're planning and figure out why are we planning it can we do it better can we do it quicker but not in a i don't mean that in a harmful yeah do do more work type way but i think it's important for us to do that i think it's important for us when we take a step back from COVID to say there weren't many great things that came out of it but i think this is probably one of those positives and so then to specifically sorry i know that was a complete no
0: No, I appreciate it. And it's a great point um, in terms of, you know, that mindset that something, you know, had to take this long where, you know, we've kind of seen that ingenuity, that innovativeness uh, come to the forefront because it was either that or, or you didn't survive in many cases for a lot of retailers.
1: And isn't that where retail's best, right? Isn't that where we're best? When you go back and you think of the greatest retail brands ever built and whether that be Um, you know, just absolutely monumental things like the way Macy's was originally built or Sears or some of those big companies, or you think more recently of how the entire D2C innovation came about. Yeah. Aren't those the brands, the brands that stop and, and stop the normal process and go, Hey, can we look at this differently? Can we try this differently? Aren't those the ones that we tend to, I don't know that revere is the right word, but aren't those the ones we look on most fondly?
0: Yeah, I mean, think of Amazon and kind of how it revolutionized e-commerce and, you know, was a trailblazer. And now everyone's trying to play catch up to Amazon. Um, but yeah, to your point that I think those are the, the brands and the retailers that, that people look at it for inspiration, at least.
1: Yeah, exactly right. And it, it, again, it doesn't mean you have to tear down your brand. But what it does do is it, it, it and I think COVID also exposed a lot of these great examples of what happens if you don't do that at some sort of regular basis. There's a whole host of bankruptcies and troubles and all of those sorts of things that you can point to and go, yep, yeah, that's a COVID issue, but you could probably dig a little deeper and go, there were probably some organizational issues too. We got too comfortable sitting where we were. And so right now is a chance for us to all as retailers to, to, I guess I would say dream a little bit bigger or really take the time to rethink what we're doing, why we're doing it and if we can do it differently. And I know your original question was about implementing systems and all those things. What I would say is the vast majority of the technology that was implemented that materially changed the way retailers operated during COVID isn't brand new. I mean, the best example of that is QR codes. They were like the hottest thing for a minute and just about disappeared. And then all of a sudden it was like, wait, this is actually unbelievably useful in ways that we didn't know before. And so it's something that, that, what I would say is most of those technologies already exist. And it's up to the organization to figure out how to implement them uh, in a way that is most helpful. Uh, and, and again, just to kind of press the point a little bit more, whenever you're in a bind, you figure out what you can actually accomplish. COVID yep. put us in a bind. And we figured out how easy it was to actually or how quick we could actually implement buy online and pick up in store and QR codes and fulfillment out of stores and all those things. Yep. Are there going to be bumps along the way? 100%. percent you got to be willing to take some of those bumps otherwise you fall into the rut and once you fall in the rut that's you know you're you're you've already lost um you've already lost your ability to to be the best version of, of a retailer you can be
0: yeah and to your point i don't think retailers at this point have the luxury to you know wait until there's no risk involved the, your, there's going to be bumps along the road when you roll out some new systems some new processes you learn and adapt i think is is kind of what you're saying as well yeah, I feel
1: like I might've felt like I, I live in the South, so maybe I got like a little Southern preacher there. <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll tell you, it's something that, that we, even at, at January, that we do quite a bit of too. What we tell all of our clients and all of our partners ahead of time, and everyone that works here too, is that we got to figure out what percentage you're okay being uncomfortable. Are you okay being uncomfortable 5% of the time, 20% of the time, 30% of the time? That's, that's the amount of risk that we want to take together. Yeah. And then that, what we're also saying is it's okay if we fail sometimes, as long as we don't fail all the time. And it, and I think for every organization, it's, it's important to figure out at what rate are you okay being a little bit uncomfortable? That's where great innovation happens. That's where you get to see which employees have great ideas and where they stand up. That's where you get to figure out how you gain market share or how you, how you leap ahead of your competition is, is almost always in those
0: uncomfortable moments. So we've talked a lot about kind of internally within the retail organization and what they've done to prepare themselves for almost and, and you know, this is a cliche, this term is a cliche at this point, but the new normal of, of the way consumers are behaving. So I want to take it on to the next step in terms of the consum- consumer perspective and what you're hearing from your clients through your own research uh, in terms of, you know, obviously there were, there were major shifts in, in consumer behavior over the last year and a half or so. I'm interested in your thoughts on where the consumer is going next. What behaviors do you think are long-term and are are not going to go back to ways they once were? What do you think may revert back to the way it was uh, previously? Tell us a little bit about the perspective of the consumer um, and then obviously how that relates to retailers in terms of engaging with that consumer.
1: Sure, absolutely. So, I mean, I'll, I'll give you my own sort of thoughts off the top of my head, but I'll also say that we're kind of backing this up with a bit of data here. We are actually in the process of finalizing some research with uh, with Coresight um, and with a few other partners that we'll be delivering um, in late May around, I think it's May 25th, we'll be um sharing all of that research with folks we'll be hosting webinars well none of it's gated you don't have to give an email address or anything we just want to try to get that information out but we're doing a pretty deep consumer study on that right now so i'll have more hey here's exactly what's yep. going on in a couple of weeks but in the meantime I, I think what i would say the biggest change for me that we've seen with consumers is that um Consumers expect a bit more out of of what a retailer offers, whether that be around convenience or store experience or a reason to even buy from you. I think those were all things that were sort of under the surface a bit previously and retailers could get by by not really addressing them simply because that's the way the world worked. But, But now that it's changed, the power has shifted even more significantly to the consumer. Um, and so I think those are the biggest things that we would say if you have a if your store experience consists of stacks of clothes just sitting on a table that might not be enough anymore, given the consumer can very quickly go to somewhere else where it's a showcase type store, or it can very quickly look online and have the more or less same experience but not have to deal with um with, with the dangers of COVID and, and, and the cleanliness and all of that sort of piece. So I'd say that's the single biggest piece is that shift in power from that retailers traditionally had has shifted far closer towards the consumer. Um, and I think retail brands that adapt to that and realize that and allow their consumers to, to have that power um, and help meet clients where they are and, and the need that they have are gonna be pretty wildly successful. Those that think that as vaccines roll out, we can just oh, reopen up the stores. Here we go. I'm, I'm not going to say that's like the end of their business, because I think that's a little bit silly, but I would think those guys are going to have a little bit more of a struggle. Yeah. Um, and I would think over the longer term, that business probably isn't going to do as well as those that were able to adapt.
0: How about your thoughts, Vic, in terms of uh, the migration of, of so many shoppers online and, uh, and the, the future of the physical store? Do you see, you know, you mentioned, uh, you know, hopefully we're turning the corner here and vaccine, vaccination rates are continuing to increase. What do you see in terms of, you know, that online to offline split and how do you see consumers, um, you know, are they gonna, you know, continue to stay online at at a larger percentage? Do you see the kind of the rebirth of the physical store? What are your thoughts there? I know I'm asking you to kind of read into or look into the future a little bit, but uh, just curious for your perspective.
1: Yeah, so I'm a digital agency. And so I'd be remiss if I didn't just say, yep, everything's going digital, everybody pour your money into digital. Um, but I'm not, I'm not sure that that's necessarily the right answer. I'm a little bit conflicted on this one. Do I think people have shifted to digital in a high, at a much higher rate than anyone ever expected? Yes, we've got stats that prove that. Um, do I think people will only ever shop digital and this is the demise of the store? Absolutely not. Do I think enough people have shifted to digital to where both digital and stores have to change? 100%. And so what I would say to folks are or is that you know we've already made we've already made the shift to digital consumers have already made that shift and so to think that it's just going to disappear is is probably a little bit flawed so I think it's going to stay at the extreme heightened level that it is right now I don't think so I think we're going to get back to it but I don't think so yeah. stores are going to continue to play a, an important role and I would expect stores to bounce back just a little bit as we continue to progress um, towards vaccines and all of that. Um, But the role the store plays and the role the digital plays has materially changed.
0: And I think it all comes down to the experience, regardless of the channel. Um, I think you were mentioning this earlier that, you know, the experience is what's going to win over the customer. And and there's, you know, so many options now that they don't need to be loyal to one specific retailer or brand. They'll they'll simply switch. Um, So it comes down to the experience as well, no matter the channel.
1: That's exactly right. And we actually saw that in, in around, I think, believe it was Q3 of last year. There was research that came out that said consumers were more open to switching brands at that point than ever before. And so if you stop and think about what drove that, well, wait a minute, it was the experience I've had during the last six months of COVID as a brand. Did you stand up for the things that I wanted you to? Did you make it easy to shop with you? Did you kind of care about the state that I was in? Did you offer anything different than anyone else? consumers had much more free time on their hands. And I don't say free time in a frivolous way, but they had much more time in front of the screen on their hands. And so if they were going to their normal old brand and it wasn't what they wanted, well, there was no harm in them going and checking out something else. It was really easy to do. And so now that key change in consumer behavior has to change how retailers act. If we know consumers are more open to looking at other brands, then we have to more than ever give them reasons not to. A good web experience, a good store experience, a good delivery experience, a good, um, a good company stance on values and and how you want to interact with whether it be politics or social or or what have you, those are all those are just even the baseline reasons to keep consumers with you. And so I think it's important for brands to stop and take another look at at how they're positioned around those things, so that when consumers aren't sure if they want to be loyal to you, it's very easy for you to tell them why they need to be.
0: Yeah, and I think that's a good segue into the next question I wanted to ask. Is you you mentioned you know kind of taking stock of you know what shifts you've seen in consumer behavior, and then how does your brand is, is how is your brand positioned against those changes, and then adapting. So leads me into the next question in terms of what do you foresee, uh, Vic, in terms of the the biggest opportunity um, that presents itself uh, looking ahead for retailers.
1: Yeah, the, the I don't know that I can boil it down to one key opportunity. Instead, I'll kind of go back to that theme I mentioned earlier, which is agility. The biggest thing for retailers to do right now is to stop and make sure that you are building agile teams, agile stores, agile companies, because we're at this very interesting spot right now where vaccines are rolling out, but it's not fully out. And so we don't quite know what the consumer is just yet. And so if, you're, if you've put all your eggs in one basket and the consumer comes out of this looking slightly different, you're kind of in trouble. Or if you're set up for a way to not adjust based on how the consumer comes out of it, you're in trouble. And so whenever we advise clients, what we try to tell them to do is less here's an individual plan and more of let's do multiple scenario planning. And when we do that multiple scenario planning, we then add that agility and that flexibleness, to the company and, and that retailer can then adjust as the consumer adjusts. And, and the, next, the next six months is gonna be really fun. Um, we get to see a whole different consumer. We get to see a whole different economy. We get to see so many different things. There's such a great chance for us to all enjoy it, learn from it, innovate from it, uh, and really position ourselves really well for the next, for the next few years. To me, it's the most exciting time you could possibly be at if you're a retailer. Yeah. It just, it, it just seems like we have so much opportunity in front of us, not only to have great financials, but to just rethink how we've approached things in the past. And, um, I, that, that's what gets me really excited. Uh, and I know we talk to our clients a lot about, I'm just really excited. I mean, we, we work at David's bridal and, and, I have to tell you, like coming out of quarantine, talking to a bridal company about the huge influx of upcoming weddings, your mind can just really start going, going wild. And, and so we've had a lot of fun talking with those guys and a bunch of others about what's possible.
0: Yeah, that's a great, a great example of a, of a retailer that has an opportunity at hand. To your point, within its, within its specific category, um, you mentioned the value in being agile. and that agility, what would you say to retailers? Um, you've worked with obviously a lot of retail clients and they're coming to you for help. what are What are the biggest challenges that you see for retailers in establishing that level of agility that's necessary? And what would your advice to be uh, be to them to help them kind of change their mindset to, uh, in, in a sense?
1: Sure, it's a great question. So um, the the way that we address how they change their mindsets is we use a very um, introspective, auditing, goal-oriented approach. So what we would always say ahead of time is let's audit where you are versus um, what what we're seeing in the market. And that will help us identify where the gaps necessarily are. And now let's just, with you guys, with each client, let's go and set very clear goals of how we want to approach each of those pieces. And sometimes it's as simple as Um, look, we just need to change how we evaluate marketing and that makes everything easier or better data delivery. And sometimes they're really hard where we go, yeah, your IT team has a nine month build cycle. That's probably not gonna work for you in how you wanna do that. So we've gotta do some organizational change there. Hands down, the organizational change pieces are the hardest because they involve people and they involve people who are used to working a certain way. And a lot of times they involve a company who's used to working a certain way for decades. And so those changes are always super hard. The easier ones though, are things that are related to marketing or related to data or customer or those sorts of pieces. You generally can move more quickly and you can move more confidently because each of those pieces, whether it be your customer or, or, or your marketing can be backed up with data really quickly. And so those are things that, that I think clients get more excited about it's a little bit more tangible. Mm-hmm. They can see some progress. They can build some momentum, and they can be confident in that in that um, change they're making because they have the data to back it up.
0: Yeah, informed decision making. I guess is is kind of you know what you're getting at, right? You said that in
1: one sentence and I said it in like 45. No,
0: minutes. yeah, but now I, I think you, you you set it up. I just I, I I tried to think of a way to condense it, and I think um, the way you explained it helped um, the audience in terms of of moving to that next step, which I am going to. Um, close, Vic, I have one more question I wanted to, to get your thoughts on. Uh, we've talked a little bit about kind of the next big opportunity, um, and I want to end on a positive note. So let's talk a little bit about why you're optimistic uh, about the future of the retail industry. Um, what, uh, what's got you excited?
1: Yeah I, yeah, I touched on this a second ago, but like I'm when we think of it, if I just take way outside, I don't even think of like retail. I think of we have an economy right now, that all signs are pointing to to a positive. We have a government who's willing to invest money to make sure the the economy continues to stay good. We have a consumer who's anxious to get out. They're tired of being inside, they're anxious to get out. And so now if we take those things, we say good economy, really strong consumer, and we think of that in retail, it's hard not to be excited. Then you start layering in, uh, quite a bit of the innovation that we all did while we were while we were in lockdown, whether it be on delivery or supply chain or messaging or any of that. We've got big shifts towards technological innovation and marketing and pieces like that. Just the role of the store is changing. There is so much opportunity right now to uh, for success. It, it just it that's what gets me really excited about it. And I wouldn't pin it down on just sort of one individual thing because. How each of these things come to fruition for each retailer is going to be a little bit different. But just when you look at all those macro indicators, man, it's really, it's really hard not to be excited about what the next, you know, six to 12 months looks like.
0: Yeah. And to close, why don't you tell our audience a little bit um, of how January Digital, tell them a little bit more information, if they're looking for more information, how your company can help them um, realize that success that you think is out there.
1: Yeah, I got to tell you, Joe, I'm the worst at this. I'm the worst at selling.
0: (laughs) I just wanted to give you an opportunity. Yeah, I I
1: appreciate, I very much appreciate you. I'm really bad at it. So here's what I would say. We're really good fits um, for two types of brands. Those that are sort of, uh, that have big goals and big ambitions that tend to be a little bit of the challenger brand. Uh, We're great for those folks because we are our strength and our our people. I've got an unbelievably great team That's that's about half of our team came from running businesses, whether it be at Macy's or Neiman's or Tory Burch or a whole host of other brands. We're great for brands who want that clear strategic vision of like, here's where you go, here's what's possible, uh, and then want a partner to be able to execute it really well. You know, we don't take on fifty clients a year. We'd rather take on a few. We really believe the fewer, better. Uh, partnerships type mantra. And so I think we're really good fits for folks who who want to do that, who are open to change, who are open to taking some chances and, 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 and really have ambitious goals. That's I think that's who we fit well with and we fit well within the retail space, the CPG and beauty space as well.
0: Great. Well, I want to take the opportunity to thank Victor Bicke, again, is the founder and CEO of January Digital. For joining us on this episode of Tech Insights and really giving us uh, an optimistic viewpoint and what we have to be excited about as we look to the second half of the year and, and the growth that uh, the opportunities that are out there. So thank you for joining us today, Vic.
1: Absolutely, thank you guys for having me. I really, really appreciate it, and I hope I hope this year turns out to be as optimistic as I am. That would make a, that'd be for a really fun fun year.
0: Yes, it would. Thank you again. You bet. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks. And until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.